This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Ladies and gents, and welcome to Magpies Unrestricted, where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host, Chris Simpson, and joining me, as always, is Cara Thistlethwaite. Hello. And unfortunately, listeners, we are joining you after a 2-0 defeat for the Magpies away at Man City. Um, yeah, third defeat of the, of the Premier League season for Newcastle. Um, not entirely um, as a, a surprise away at Manchester City. It's one of those ones that you would never expect to get three points from. So, no, you know, and, and to be honest, the way we're playing, didn't really expect us to get one point. Yeah. You know. um, I mean, look, obviously, yeah, it's it's a 2 0 defeat, but overall, I thought Newcastle played all right, but again, we're just seeing that, you know, the, that recurring pattern that we've had, you know, for really a good couple of months now of Newcastle not necessarily playing too badly. But getting the final third and just not having that final pass, that killer touch, mm. that lethal instinct in front of goal, even from the likes of, say, Callum Wilson, who normally is the first one to display that kind of clinical edge. Yeah, I feel like we're, we're saying the same things that we have done for a while. I suppose, I suppose you have to start taking the positives at this point. I mean, it, it was 2-0, and one of those goals was... A, an unfortunate deflection that took it past Pope. Maybe the defence could have been better throughout the game, but I don't think there was that many clear chances that the City could have scored other than the ones that they did. And there was maybe one, I think it was right at the start, where it just went over. Yeah, they had that header, the yeah. But... And that was quite a free header, so I would have expected them to put that away, to be honest. But, you know, luckily they didn't. But, you know, against a team like Man City, a couple of clear-cut chances... That they put away, you kind of you kind of expect that because they're such a quality team. So even though well, I mean they'd make any team look like they're scrambling at the yeah. back. So <laughs> even though Newcastle at the moment their, their defence has been a bit sporadic, um, I don't actually think it was an awful game. It's just a frustrating one because yet again we're not getting that final um, uh, movement right at the end. Yeah. which is allowing you to score and, and that's that's where Newcastle are coming down and that's what we've said for the last couple of weeks to be fair but I mean again you responded well even though the, uh, City were all over you for for a long time um, but yeah it, at least Isaac looked good as well Isaac looked good yeah he, he, he did look good on the ball again obviously we're just trying to grab the positives here again it's not like he scored or, or something um, but again considering you know the the way things have gone for him in his Newcastle career. I mean, again, it is important to remember that because of his injury, he's still only like twelve or thirteen games into his Newcastle career. Yeah. So like, not a ton. It's just obviously such a shame that he, you know, got off to such a great start for like two, three appearances. You know, got a couple of goals. You know, and the way it's just played out then with the injury and, and all that kind of stuff. But, I think he's effectively going to be like a whole brand new sign next season if he doesn't yeah. get injured, because this is. I don't know I think he's been quite tentative and obviously Newcastle have been tentative to play him um, despite 
the rest of the squad's inability to score at this point in time. He's still not being played a lot. Yeah, and I mean, look, whether he will ever become a you know really natural goal scorer, um, I guess, well, it remains to be seen because that was as great a prospect as he is and exciting as a prospect as he is. That is something, obviously, we highlighted when he signed in that, especially in terms of goal scoring, he certainly came with a reputation of still being a bit you know, a bit raw, um, not quite having that killer instinct yet. Again, hopefully that's something he can develop over time. He's still very young. It wouldn't surprise me if it's something that he never quite, um, you know, if he never quite, you know, makes that leap to becoming like, you know, a twenty-plus goal a season striker, mm-hmm. which obviously for sixty million is something you'd hope for. But that's just the nature of, you know, uh, transfer fees and, and the prices. You know, you kind of pay for potential these days. But that doesn't mean again that he can't contribute a lot. It's just a shame that, as I say, no one at the moment has their finishing boots. You know, obviously Wilson messed up that chance where he completely miskicked it. Yeah. Long staff kind of dilly dallying a little bit and then sort of scuffs it and it gets blocked. You know, Joe Winter not quite managing to get on the end of that that cross as well. You know, there were chances there, and as you say, we to take the positive after you know, admittedly a, a pretty great solo effort from Foden though. Again, slice of luck with with that deflection off Botman. Um, we've got we've got a bit unlucky with deflections off Botman two weeks in a row now, which is <laughs> yeah, a bit I, of a shame. I, I, it's almost like all the wind has been taken out of Newcastle sails. Like no one's being able to. I mean, just a shot on target would have been nice yeah, from those opportunities that were created brilliantly because it would have been you know some really great team goals. Like long long staff worked really hard there in that movement to get the opportunity and obviously it was a great block at the last possible second Wilson got himself into a good position and then just say completely scuffed it if he take maybe taken a touch and then to control it and then shoot maybe that would have been different but and same with Jolington but there just seems to be a complete lack of confidence and like a fear at the moment in front of goal so yeah it was a bit like in the United game where I mean, to be fair, we probably created more against City, but like in terms of even when we were doing well, like you say, yeah, getting the shots on target, actually managing to test the opposition goalkeeper. Because like I said, we had a few opportunities there. We did respond well uh, before, obviously, Silva came off the bench and, and killed the game. Which is but, what they have we the power to do. Isn't but it? we it's weren't just... testing Edison. Yeah, you know, it's it's not like those were all shots on target that Edison had to save. Like. He didn't have that much to do, um, and I think that's the the thing is, you know, at least if you're if you're at least getting your shots on target as well. Like first of all, obviously, you want to be in that position to, you know, create chances because if you're not even creating chances, that's when you're really, really like up the creek, you know. Yeah. But then it's like, all right, so we're making some opportunities, but we're still they're not often ending in proper shots on goal. Where the keeper actually has to make a save or like this kind of thing. Yeah, I think as you say, I think that's like that next thing of like, if, yeah, because eventually, if you're getting your shots on target and all the rest of it, you know, sooner or later they're going to just start going in, and that confidence comes back, and it's it's that extra just level of difficulty. If I mean, again, we played a very good Man United side last week. We've played a very good Man City side this week. So you know, again, there's levels to this. If we were playing. You know, uh, someone right at the bottom of the end of the table, like Everton, Southampton, Leeds, Nottingham Forest, like one of these sorts of teams, and not even like troubling their goal, then it's a bit more of a worry than like 
you know, it's City and United. Yeah, I, I guess I say it's, it's a nice, it's a nice place to be in in terms of development. If this is the one issue, it's something that can be addressed rather than the absolute. Uh, I'm not going to put it on I'm, the the absolute rubbish trash <laughs> fire that Newcastle were last season. So again, we have to take that into consideration. Think about where you were this time last year, and how much better of a position that Newcastle are in it's just frustrating because yeah. we know what they're capable of and, and that that form at the beginning of the season where has it gone yeah exactly I, I, I mean I, I will preview the uh, next week's game shortly but yeah it's it's one of those where we want to see that response from the cup final as I say this one unfortunately was you know as tough a game as, you, as you're going to get really uh, on the back of that disappointment but going forward from next week onwards, we really do need to start, um, you know, kind of getting our act together and and just trying to give ourselves that confidence back. Uh, but again, we'll we'll move on to that preview shortly. Uh, in the in the meantime, we're just breaking news: <laughs> uh, Newcastle and Saudi Arabia might be linked somehow. Oh, who knew that? <laughs> um, as you may well have seen in the news this week, guys. Um, this was Amnesty International again this is very much as always it's that are we the baddies moment when Amnesty International are the ones who are having to talk out you know about you it's like yeah we kind of are the baddies anyway (laughs) just to get to the actual news Amnesty International calling on the Premier League to re-examine Newcastle's ownership specifically in terms of the supposedly uh, legally binding assurances that the Saudi state is not in control of Newcastle uh, following a US court filing, uh, you may or may not um, be aware of this, listeners. Basically, there's like an ongoing thing between the PGA Tour and Live Golf, which is this new Saudi-backed um, sort of golf super league, as it were. Which yeah, has I was been say it's the Santa Super League. Yeah, it's literally like it's it's the golf super league essentially. It's it's Saudi money. Again, it's another exercise in Saudi sports washing. Yeah. Um, you know, ton ton of funding behind it. And obviously, as you might imagine, the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, etc. and so on, not too happy about this influx of money taking all their big players away and all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So there's been, you know, there's, there's like an ongoing sort of legal battle there in the United States Um all to do with that again if you're interested in in the golf side of things then obviously I'd, I'd urge you to to look uh, look that up guys but in terms of how this relates to Newcastle again this live golf league it's backed by the Saudi public investment fund who of course own Newcastle United uh, or are certainly the majority stakeholder in Newcastle United um, and as part of their court case there was a filing that describes the PIF as and I'm quoting here uh, a sovereign instrumentality of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, which, shock horror, we kind of knew, uh, given that they are a branch of the, the Saudi government. state, essentially, and uh, its governor, Yasir al-Rumayan, who, again, is Newcastle's chairman, also the governor of PIF, uh, he was described as, again quoting, a sitting minister of the Saudi government. Um, so, again, this isn't necessarily telling us anything we didn't already know, but like I say, the Premier League were supposedly given "quote unquote" these legally binding assurances. I'd love to see what they are. I promise yeah. you, I swear. Oh, oh yeah, we swear it's not. Yeah. Uh, we swears on the precious. <laughs> also, again, just to reiterate, 
the PIF is chaired by the Saudi Prime Minister, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Eight of the nine PIF board members who are listed on its website are either a minister or a royal advisor, the only exception being Al Rumayan, who of course has now been described as a sitting minister. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I mean, I, I'll just read out the statement from Peter Frankenthal, who was the economic or is the Economic Affairs Director of Amnesty UK, because I think he sums it up best. Uh, so I'm just going to quote him here. But he said, It was always stretching credulity uh, to breaking point to imagine that the Saudi state wasn't directing the buyout of Newcastle with the ultimate aim of using the club as a component in its wider sports-washing efforts. There's an unmistakable irony in the Sovereign Wealth Fund declaring a uh, sorry, declaration emerging in a dispute about another arm of Saudi Arabia's growing sports empire. But the simple fact is that Saudi sports washing is affecting numerous sports and governing bodies need to respond to it far more effectively. The Premier League will surely need to re-examine the assurances made about the non-involvement of the Saudi authorities in the Newcastle deal, not least as there's still a Qatari bid for Manchester United currently on the table. Uh, he also added, and I think this is important, um, he also added, in the 18 months since the Newcastle purchase, the human rights situation in Saudi Arabia has deteriorated markedly with scores of executions after unfair trials, courts jailing peaceful critics and the authorities continuing to block accountability for Jamal Khashoggi's murder. So again, I think this speaks to, certainly that last part that he added, I think that speaks to this idea of like, oh, well, you know, maybe you know we invite them to the table and again, this was a bit like the Qatar... Um, Qataris with the World Cup and it's like mm. and this idea of like oh well you know if we invite them to the table and talk to them it you know we can influence them we can get them to improve no, and start behaving it's like, that's get... not that is a wonderfully optimistic and completely naive like it's not the mentality that they have either it's not it's, it's not going to really affect not. them at yeah. all in the way that they conduct their frankly horrific business yeah you know Newcastle like even if every single Newcastle fan and unfortunately obviously we've not all been doing this but even if we all were absolutely 100% vocal about the human rights issues and abuses that go on in Saudi Arabia um, you know even if we were chanting about it every week it's not going to make the nation of Saudi Arabia think twice about what they do you know what I mean maybe it would make them think twice about investing in a club because it would show that the sports washing isn't having the intended effect but it's not going to make them change their behaviour in their country in the way they they conduct themselves no and yeah I mean as, as he said like it was always kind of baffling that these again quote unquote legally binding assurances could be given because it was pretty public knowledge about the PIF who's in control of it and then therefore effectively who's in control of Newcastle um, so again, whether this a legally binding assurance does that then mean that because well no because they've got money and we all know that anyone who has a huge amount of money the law doesn't actually apply to them. Well, yeah, exactly. And so it means the, the I was the, trying to not swear, but it, that's what it means. <laughs> and I think un, until they start, well, I say the, the I mean they show that the fit and proper persons test isn't worth the paper it's written on mm. by allowing them to buy it. Then I can't. Im- I can't foresee them applying it retroactively. Again, maybe if it gets conclusively proved. I mean, again, how much more proof do you really need? Who knows? But, like, 
I, I don't have any faith in the Premier League to do to the right thing or to have the balls to do the right thing. There needs to be a picture of him on a spinny chair with a white cap and he needs to have turned round with an eye patch on. Yeah, maybe that will do it. Um, Probably not, but that's that's the best we've got. But yeah, so that, there's your latest Newcastle Saudi update, listeners. Um, just more, more ridiculousness, really. Um, as always, it seems then strange and a bit trite to then just go back to talking about football given the situation um, but that's what we're going to do <laughs> it's what we're here to do we should really have left that for the end <laughs> um, so this was a bit of news that we uh, got left out of the running order last week um, but some good news for Newcastle Mick Almiron signing a new three and a half year contract with the club Yay. and I think to be fair he has earned that deal um, the way he's played this season he's still our top goal scorer with 10 Premier League goals and again just to put that in perspective his previous best in terms of league goals was 4 so um, that is it's a marked improvement yeah. it, it, it is leaps and bounds I um, mean he has he has just turned 29 um, and you know he's currently gone off a little bit of the boil so how much of it how, how much of this Form is is going to continue because let's be honest, next season he's going to be pushing thirty. If he hits the ground running, great. But if we're currently in the same situation we are now, he's just kind of been a bit. He's been missed. Yeah, he's been classic Mickey, really. Um, I mean, that's the thing. Obviously, as I say, I think he has earned this. I think his form does deserve recognition this season. It has been a lot better, but. Essentially, it was a really, really good like two-month purple patch. Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, again, like I say, he's a witch young turned twenty-nine a couple of weeks ago. This deal will keep him till he uh, keep him at the club till he's thirty-two. So mm. basically, we've got him for the remainder of what you would call his peak years. Yeah. Obviously, we've had him for his all of his peak years so far. Anyway, really, uh, in terms of you know, he, he he was what twenty-five when we signed him, something like that. So. You know, we'll have had him from say twenty-five to thirty-two, which is like what most players. That's kind of their sort of peak period. Um, obviously, in that time, there's some, there are some extenuating circumstances in that he spent a lot of his early years at the club under Steve Bruce. <laughs> so, you know, that is also a mitigating factor in terms of, because, like, you know, he came with such a big reputation from Atlanta United again. Admittedly, it's MLS. Yeah, but he was lighting up MLS. You know, he was there player of the season or whatever he was I think we talked about it earlier on like some of the um, accolades that he won while he was out there yeah Um, but yeah what I hope I really hope to see obviously for the rest of this season I'd really like to see him get back to goal scoring form because well I just we just need any of our players you know Sam Axman Wilson Almiron Isaac Jointon whoever you know Bruno just we need someone to just start sticking the ball back in the net again Murphy we know that he's just going to hit the post. We know this. <laughs> oh, Jacob, you'll be going in the summer anyway. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I really hope though. What we can still see from him is that just yeah, getting back to what we know he can do. Because again, I know just that was some form of consistency it doesn't even run. have to be as amazing as he was before. Yeah. But you just want him to be physically present because I swear to God, it's like he's not. Yeah, he's he, not played. He, well, I mean, I think that's a little harsh because he he always works incredibly hard and I think that does deserve um, some recognition Um, you know he will always put that shift in 
But yeah, just in terms of those attacking contributions, those goals and assists, I mean, obviously I'd love it if he went back to scoring them every week. Uh, but even if he's not doing every week, you know, for, for a play that I do believe that talent is in there somewhere, like just to do that just a bit more regularly. Um, and hopefully, obviously as a team, if we can get back to that good form, I mean, I know obviously Amaron's form they kind of fed off each other like his form was a catalyst for the whole team vice versa I think you know he then probably fed off the whole team playing well as well and it was mm. kind of a nice sort of symbiotic thing um, so hopefully you know if, if just the whole if the whole team can get back to you know showing that good form then hopefully that will also manifest in in him you know getting that output up a, up a bit as well but hopefully likewise it would be really nice if if he can also spark the team back into form instead of the team having to do it for him. So, but like I said, overall it's it's good news. He's a, he has he has been a good player for Newcastle. He could I think he's, he can definitely be better, and he's shown that. And certainly this season he has. So I just want to see him kick on from here. Uh, while you know he's still, um, yeah, at a, at a decent age um, before age starts catching up with him. Because again, we, he's got he's got a good two, three years before we have to really worry about that. Um, I don't think he's like a Wayne Rooney type where I think he'll hit 30 and really start to slow down. I think we start thinking in like the uh, Mike Ashley point of view. Oh, well, 28, he's going to get rid of him. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. He's, he's ancient. Let's, let's ship him out. You know, but um, yeah, so we've just got to hope for that and hopefully he can maybe start next week against Wolves because again, we are... Desperate. Pretty pretty desperate now for, for a win. Um, you know, we've only won one game since that victory on Boxing Day, which was really our last great performance. Um, so that's one in yeah one in eight games now we've won, uh, which was just that one nil win over Fulham that we kind of scraped towards the end. And again, we've only scored three three goals in that time. Um, obviously, this is not counting the the League Cup games because I think the semi-finals kind of pasted over some cracks and obviously likewise uh, last week obviously you know losing in the final but as I say eight yeah one win in eight um, League games I mean as I said we've drawn a whole bunch of them but that's that's not even forget top four form or top six form that's not even really top half form um, I'm not saying we're going to drop out of the top half or anything I don't I don't think that's particularly likely unless we really just take the rest of the season off but if we do want to make sure I mean obviously we're out of the top four now got a couple of games in hand on Spurs Spurs have been a bit weird as well but you know they're, they're well, more than capable of throwing it away but it does then also depend on Newcastle themselves if Newcastle are going to start pulling it around you can guarantee that Spurs will will, will cack it at the end um, if not well I mean obviously uh, Spurs lost to Wolves this weekend yep yeah, they did yeah which Again, he's kind of good for us in the sense of, obviously, it's Spurs a are a top four rival. Obviously, unfortunately, that gives Wolves a bit of a confidence boost because they, you know, they've been they're very mid. I mean, they're thirteenth at the time of recording. Uh, they've had a very up and down season, very inconsistent. You know, they before they beat Spurs, their form was really, you know, pretty, pretty poor. I think it was. I think they a couple of. I think in the three games before that, I think they'd had a couple of defeats and a draw. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you know, with us being at home as well, I think I'm going to be really worried if we can't get that win. And, and as I say, really, we need to 
put on a big performance. I think if we can get like an early goal, which is a big if at the moment, <laughs> that I think would be absolutely massive for us. I think. Well, I mean, obviously, if they score early, then that's going to be a real, real test for us as well. But if it stays like nil-nil for ages, like say we're playing all right, we're making chances, but just nothing's going for us in terms of again that final touch. I think that's going to really get in the players' heads and it's going to be a real uphill battle. Yeah. If we can really just come out of the traps and maybe get a bit of luck and get an early goal, I think that could set us on our way again. But I can't... I, I mean, obviously, there was, there was this match just gone, but it feels like it's been a while since Newcastle have just come out running. It feels like it's been very reactionary to another team getting the best of them and either having a good couple of chances or, obviously, worst case scenario, like the City match going down a goal and we've seen when Newcastle come out of the blocks running that other teams panic it stops them playing from their game at the pace that they want to and, and it means that Newcastle tend to then dominate the match we've just not seen that for a while yeah um, I think yeah that ultimately I said that that is what I want to see for, for, mm. from, from this game and from us going forward is just to try and recapture that spark that we had um, because Otherwise, I think this difficult run is just going to keep rumbling on, and, it, and the longer it goes on, the harder it's going to be to get that confidence back. Because I think, I think it is as it's, I think it's a confidence issue as much as anything else. Um, I think that's just dried up a bit, and especially as we've said, in front of goal. Obviously, we're not as we're not nearly as impervious at the back anymore as well, which. Um, obviously is a bit of a worry again Wolves aren't like a massive scoring team so hopefully that's not a huge deal but again they did just beat Spurs so and also Newcastle and Wolves constantly draw one all so maybe it'll be that again but I'll be honest again a draw's really not it's not going to cut it for me Um, I'm going to be pretty concerned even if it's a draw but hey we've as I say we're at home I think we've then got Forest the week after so we've got a couple of games I mean after that it's then Man United again but in the meantime I said we've got a couple of games now where we've got a really good opportunity to hopefully get some positive results put some positive performances together and start getting that confidence back before the trickier games return uh, again no disrespect to, to Wolves and Nottingham Forest they could make it difficult but you know what I mean yes in the grand scheme of things you would assume that that would be a game that you'd get three points but yeah, I mean, we can we can just cross fingers and toes, and we'll we'll just hope because we know that Newcastle have the ability to do it. It's just whether or not that happens on the day. So hopefully, yeah. it won't be another. Well, we worked really well, but we didn't score, even though we had the opportunities. Podcast next week. Yeah. And hopefully, we'll be like we worked really hard and we did score. Yay! <laughs> Podcast. But we'll see. <laughs> exactly. We'll be here either way to look back on it next week. In the meantime, if you could please give the podcast a like and subscribe and a positive review, that'd be really helpful. We've been Magpies Unrestricted, and I've been your host, Chris Simpson. Thanks, Cara. No problemo. And thank you, listeners. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.